0: Welcome back. We are jumping back into 1 Kings, looking at chapter 5 today. Remember the theme so far in these early chapters of 1 Kings is the gift of wisdom that God gave to Solomon. We saw that in in chapter 3 when uh, Solomon had been made king, that God um, asked Solomon what he wanted. Solomon asked for wisdom, and we have seen that... Wisdom that God gave to Solomon displayed in his ability to resolve an incredibly difficult court case. Uh, we've seen that wisdom on display in the way he ordered his kingdom, especially his um, the administration of food for his household and uh, the the ordering of his court, so to speak, and then. Uh, today as we look at first Kings chapter five we're going to begin to see how this unique gift of wisdom that god gave to solomon enabled him to build the temple which was the most marvelous structure that um, israel had ever built and is arguably one of the greatest buildings ever created in the history of the world so let's look together at first kings chapter five uh, Begins this way in verse 1 it says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram You know that David my father could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord said to David my father, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. Now therefore command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me, and my servants will join your servants, and I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. Now let's pause there. Uh, Notice first that Hiram, who's the king of Tyre, he hears that Solomon has been anointed the king. He's gladdened by this news, and so he sends servants uh, to King Solomon, probably to deliver some kind of message of congratulations or something like that. And um, Hiram was the king of Tyre, when you hear about Tyre and Sidon, they show up in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Uh, Tyre and Sidon were on the Mediterranean coast just north of Israel, so they're really close by, close neighbors, and it's good to be on good terms with these people. And so um, Hiram had been on good terms with David, And now is seeking to be on good terms with Solomon as well Uh, verse the end of verse one says that Hiram always loved David in fact if you go back to 2nd Samuel chapter 5 when David built his house so David wasn't allowed to build a house for the Lord but David did build himself a house and in uh, 2nd Samuel 5 11 and 12 it says Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. So Hiram had been instrumental in David being able to build his glorious house. And it seems even that uh, Hiram's help in David building a house was part of what signaled to David that God had really established him as king. And so perhaps when we get to 1 Kings and Hiram is now going to help Solomon, David's son, build a house for the Lord, that this is meant to further show that this is really God's doing, that God has established Solomon as king and uh, God is behind the work of the temple being built. And certainly we're going to see that's the case uh, here as we go. So uh, Solomon sends word to Hiram. So Hiram has sent servants to Solomon. Now Solomon sends word to Hiram, probably sending those servants back with a message to him. And he says to him, uh, essentially, you know, David, my father, didn't get to build a house. He had too many enemies. There was too much trouble going on. He didn't get to build a house for the Lord but I now have rest, I have peace, there's no calamity, and so I'm going to build a house just like the Lord promised. So um, verse 2, he says, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him? But then it says, Until the Lord had put them under the soles of his feet. Now, I point that out because that sounds a lot like Psalm 110 verse 1, which is one of the most important um, verses in the Old Testament. Really, it's quoted maybe more than any other verse in the Old Testament, uh, quoted in the New Testament, some, have, uh, some say, and um, that verse says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until uh, I make your enemies your footstool, or that whole Psalm, maybe I should say, is, is perhaps quoted more than any other Uh, passage from the Old Testament. Um, And that is ultimately about Jesus. Um, But there's a hint of that idea of the Lord subduing the enemies of uh, his anointed one, uh, subduing those enemies under his feet here in these words about David, that God subdued David's enemies under his feet. And that's a pointer to the fact that ultimately the one that Psalm 110 is about, Jesus the Lord, who is David's descendant according to the flesh, but greater than David, because he's God in the flesh, that God would put all of his enemies under his feet. So there's another pointer to the Messiah there. In verse four, Solomon says, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord said to David my father, your son whom i will set on your throne and your place shall build the house for my name so solomon's ready to build the house that david wanted to build but wasn't allowed to build and solomon recognizes that this is not his own idea and it's not something that he is going to bring off by his own um, you know skill or whatever but this is something that god has promised that god told david not only that he would have a son who would sit on his throne and reign over an eternal kingdom. That's the part we've talked about a lot over and over and over when we talk about the uh, uh, what we call the Davidic covenant, God's promise to David. But also in that covenant, in that promise, was the promise that David's son would build the temple that David wanted to build but was not allowed to. So uh, this, too, Solomon building this temple is not just a great, Uh, sort of religious achievement, so to speak, for Israel, but this is a fulfillment of God's promise to David. And when part of the promise is fulfilled, that is a pretty strong indication that the whole promise is going to be fulfilled, right? So if you have a promise that says your son is going to build a temple and uh, I'm going to establish one of your sons on your throne forever, and you see the temple built, that strengthens your conviction that God is going to keep the other part of the promise of putting one of your sons on your throne forever and establishing his kingdom forever. So that this is big, right? This is really important. Um, and so he's uh, going to build this temple and uh, he's going to need some help though, right? In verse six, Solomon asks Hiram for uh labor and, and timber basically. He says, now for now, therefore command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me and my servants will join your servants and I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set for you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. So you guys have the best wood, um, you know, uh, the Sidonians are the best at cutting this great wood these cedars of Lebanon and so I want you guys I, I want this house to be the best so I, I want you guys to cut the timber for me and I'll pay you whatever you say is appropriate right so um Solomon is making this deal um with Hiram uh, based on his uh conviction of God's promise and God's faithfulness and the position that God has put him in and so um one of the things that this shows us, right, is that um, God always keeps his promises, but uh, they're not always fulfilled on our timetable, right? It was uh, David who wanted to build a temple, but it wasn't time, and, and God did not allow David to build a temple. Um, in the same way, right, as it was David's son, Solomon, who got to build a temple, in the same way, we may desire to see the Lord do certain things in our days that he's promised to do, but he might not do them in, in our time. We, we might see those things fulfilled in the lives of our children or our grandchildren. Uh, we can plan and pray and prepare like David did. David prepared many of the materials necessary for the temple, even though he knew he couldn't build it. We can plan and pray and prepare, uh, but ultimately we have to trust And be patient knowing that the Lord will do what he said in his time now on to verse seven as soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon he rejoiced greatly and said blessed be the Lord this day who has given to David a wise son to be over this great people and Hiram sent to Solomon saying I have heard the message that you have sent to me I am ready to do all you desire in the matter of cedar and cypress timber My servants shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it into rafts to go by sea to the place you direct, and I will have them broken up there, and you shall receive it, and you shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired, while Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household and 20,000 cores of beaten oil. Solomon gave this to Hiram year by year, and the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. Now, Uh, First thing I want you to notice about this paragraph is that it is framed by wisdom. In verse 7, Hiram rejoices in what he's heard from Solomon, and he says, Blessed be the Lord this day, who has given to David a wise son to be over this great people. So again, this is the theme, right? That God has given Solomon unique, unmatched wisdom in his day, and Hiram recognizes this. And then verse 12, the end of this paragraph says, And the Lord gave Solomon. Solomon wisdom as he promised him so part of what we're seeing here is that the way Solomon is handling this building project, uh, project is a demonstration of the wisdom that God gave to Solomon it's a fulfillment of God's promise to give Solomon wisdom right so uh, all the way that he's handling all, all this Uh, is an example of his wisdom. Now, what specifically uh, is going to happen here? What are the details of the deal that Solomon has made with Hiram? Well, Hiram's going to cut the timber and send it to Solomon. And Solomon is going to provide food For Hiram's house so this is something that Solomon is already good at we saw it back in chapter 4 the way Solomon had arranged for food to be provided for his household he picked 12 men from Israel and each man was responsible for providing a month's worth of food for Solomon's house which was a massive undertaking because we read even just the amount of food for one day in Solomon's house Was almost overwhelming to us and so uh solomon knows how to get this kind of thing done how to organize and and uh, prepare and provide uh, massive amounts of food if you um, sort of crunch the numbers and you translate these uh cores c-o-r-s to leaders if I did the numbers right, this is saying that Solomon is going to send Hiram 4.4 million liters of wheat and 4.4 million liters of oil every year. So that's a lot of wheat and oil. This is a massive administrative, logistical undertaking. And so Part of what seems to be going on here um, in the demonstration of Solomon's wisdom is Solomon knows what he can do, and he knows what he needs others to do. Um, he doesn't have the cedars of Lebanon. He doesn't have access to the best uh, people to, to cut down the cedar, and so he, hire, he, he hires that job out, but he is able to provide massive amounts of food in a practical way, and so that's what he gives to Hiram. And uh, these two men, Hiram and Solomon, they form a peaceful agreement. Verse 12 uh, says there was peace between Hiram and Solomon and the two of them made a treaty. So one of the things that we, this is very practical, right? One of the things we see here is that wisdom is seen not only in the ordering of affairs of the kingdom, but it is also seen in the handling of international trade, right? We should pray regularly for our leaders to have wisdom because it takes wisdom to not only govern a city, a state, a country, but also to navigate all the relationships and financial agreements and whatnot to uh, to oversee trade between nations and goods passing from one state to another and so on. these are, these are highly complex and complicated issues that we often take for granted uh, until they start to go wrong right so we should pray for uh, our people to have our leaders to have wisdom as they uh, not only govern our uh, country our state our cities and towns and and counties but also that uh, they would have wisdom in all the logistical and financial and, uh, and you know, trade issues that they have to deal with. So um, we see Solomon's wisdom in, in handling international trade. And then finally, verse 13 to 18, almost done here, it says, King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel and the draft numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers and 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country, besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work, who had charge of the people who carried on the work. At the king's command they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the house with dressed stones. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the men of Gabal did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. So we haven't gotten to the actual construction of the house yet, but we are finishing up the preparations for building this house. And uh, there's something about this passage though that uh, can make us a little bit uneasy, right? Verse 13 says that Solomon drafted forced labor uh, to build this temple. Um, that makes us a little uncomfortable and, and, and probably should in a certain sense. Um, and yet at the same time, we have to reckon with the fact that there are uh, times when the government has to compel people To complete certain tasks, right? That's why we have, um, you know, provision for, uh, you know, a military draft. We don't want to have to do that kind of thing, but sometimes, uh, at least once in the past, right, we've been compelled to. And so um, Solomon drafts forced labor. In other words, this is your job and you're going to have to do it. But he drafts them out of all Israel, so it seems to have been fairly equitable in the way that he decided who was going to have to work. And these men were sent to work um, for a month at a time and then given two months off. So, um, you know, it's not as bad as it could have been. Um, and this is, a, as somebody pointed out, this is a monarchy. It's not a democracy. And uh, I wouldn't want to be drafted to forced labor, but um, that's not necessarily saying that Solomon was you know, way out of line here or anything like that. So he drafts these people to work and uh, organizes them in shifts. The main thing that we're supposed to see is the way Solomon organizes it. He's got the officers over those who are doing the work and he's ordered this where they're not working all the time but they're one month on, two months off, uh, etc. And He's got all these people assigned to different jobs. And uh, so he's, uh, you know, ordering the logistics of this in a way that demonstrates his wisdom. So uh, remember, God promised David that his son would build a temple, uh, and that's not going to be a small task. So uh, he needed wisdom, and God gave him wisdom to organize and orchestrate everything and everyone that went into fulfilling this monumental task. God gave him the ally that he needed and the supplies that he needed. So God not only made the promise, but also provided everything necessary for the promise to be fulfilled. He didn't say, Solomon, you're going to build the temple. Uh, I promised that you would, and you're going to do it, but good luck figuring out how to do it. No, he gave him the wisdom. He gave him favor with Hiram. He gave him everything he needed, God provided. Now, <clears throat> one more step we need to take before we before we finish here Um, we've said over and over that Solomon and particularly Solomon's wisdom points to Jesus that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge Um, but we also need to point out here that Jesus is the ultimate temple builder Jesus took on flesh and fulfilled the temple remember he told he told the jews destroy this temple and in three days i will raise it up he's talking about the temple of his body but he as god in the flesh he was the fulfillment the full embodiment of the temple of the dwelling place of god among his people and he raised up his body when he was on the third day after he was crucified so he in a sense rebuilt that temple right and not only that but uh, the new testament says that we as the people of god the church we are a temple ephesians 2 says uh, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of god built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets christ jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the lord In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Jesus is the temple and Jesus is the cornerstone. And in him, we are a temple being built up by the Spirit. So Solomon and his temple were real, but they pointed to a greater reality that we are now a part of. So we should look back and be amazed at the temple that Solomon built and the wisdom that God gave Solomon to enable him to build such a temple. But we should not stop there. We should look from that temple to the even greater temple, Christ himself, and be amazed of how he is building his people into a beautiful, glorious temple. Amen.